The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. Are you excited to be here today? Oh, man, I got to give a shout out. I was just looking around uh, right before I came up. I love our students sitting on the front row. I'm super proud of them. Also, we have uh, some of our college students that are home for spring break. And I just want to say welcome back home. And don't forget this is your home and you're not allowed to move away. And we need you to keep coming home. And uh, that's mainly for my daughter, but the rest of you as well. And we have a huge Chi Alpha group here today as well. And I want to welcome the Chi Alpha group. We love, we just, we love it. We love it. We love it. Um, Easter is four weeks away. I know Pastor Jace just talked about uh, a lot of things that are happening uh, for Easter. Uh, I just want to tell you, I mentioned this last week, but this is just something that is in my heart as I've just been in prayer. Um, I just, I really just feel like there's a window uh, of opportunity from now uh, to Easter. Um, and, and I'm encouraging, I'm really, this is for those of you that like, this is your home church. I just want to encourage you that there's a window where I believe hearts are, are open to the, the gospel uh, and to, to Jesus in, in, in your friends' lives. If you have friends, family uh, that don't know Jesus, I just want to encourage you to just like take an extra step in this next couple of weeks. Uh, tell them about, about your relationship with the Lord. Invite them to church. I, I made you a promise last week that, that from now to Easter, there'll be a, a salvation altar call every single Sunday. I just, I sense so strongly that that's something the Lord is up to right now. In fact, uh, last week, I, I just had to share this. Um, uh, as soon as service ended, I mean, the moment it ended, uh, someone come ran, or just ran to me and said, Pastor, I have a friend that I've been praying for uh, that does not know Jesus. They, I invited him to church. They came with me. This was last Sunday. They came with me. And when you led the prayer uh, at the end, she, said, she started crying. She said, my friend was standing beside me, and I heard her praying the prayer. And she just hugged me right then. She, just grabbed, she said, Pastor, my friend accepted Jesus today. All right? Isn't that cool? And I just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you that, like, this is, this is a season, all right? This is a season. And I don't, I probably don't have to remind you, but, but that's literally why we're here. I mean, that is, that is, that is our purpose uh, as the church is to introduce people to the life change that's possible uh, as we surrender our lives to Jesus. And, and I'll just piggyback on some of the announcements Pastor Jace made. Uh, our team was, was brainstorming this week for Easter, and Pastor Lisa, she said, you know, the thing that to me illustrates transformation better than anything is water baptisms. Why don't we do water baptisms on Easter? She's like, I know we just did it, but what if we did it again? And so we're, we planned that, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll have some water baptisms on Easter Sunday because what a, what a great day to celebrate the life transformation uh, that happens. And, and uh, I, I'm excited for our egg stuffing party and all, all the things. But let me, let me add one announcement. This is, this is new. This actually came up yesterday. I was just preparing uh, for, for today and I was thinking about Easter and, and thinking about extravaganza, which, by the way, this, uh, I, know, I know this was mentioned, but y'all, 
This, this is crazy that the school invited us to host our annual egg hunt on their property. That, that's amazing. Which I gotta, Where's my popcorn patrol people at? Wave, wave your hands in the air, popcorn patrol, if you know. So that, that's our Marie Hughes team. They, they, once a month, they go, they pop popcorn, they cut pickles, they, they give it away, they, they serve. And I'm just telling you, popcorn patrol, that's why we're getting invited to do extravaganza uh, there is because every month and, and really, every week, Madison, Pastor Madison is there just serving and being a part. And so just huge shout out. So they invited us and we're going there. We're doing that. And so here, here's the new thing that I want to add to it is, um, is that we're going to do a special, a very targeted time of prayer specifically for our community and for that event, for our extravaganza event. Okay. And this is going to seem, this is going to, this is going to be a little bit odd, but just follow me because I'm trying to connect it to two promises in God's word. Okay. So I'm I'm going to invite you to join me for a prayer walk at Marie Hughes on Sunday, April 2nd, okay? So this is, this is the Sunday right before extravaganza, and we're going to meet at Marie Hughes on Sunday the 2nd. Here's where, at 3.33 in the afternoon, all right? Everyone say, 3.33. And I say, Pastor, why is it at 3.33? Because Jeremiah 33.3 says... Call to me, and I will answer you, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's a pretty good promise, right? So we're going to meet there, and we're going to stand on that promise, and we're going to say, all right, Lord, you said call to me, and I will answer you, and we're going to start walking around the school, and we're going to walk around the neighborhood, and we're going to, we're going to just we're going to be walking, and, and this, this is just how I pray. You may not pray that way, but this, I'm a, you're coming to my prayer party this time, all right? We're going to pray there at 3.33, and check it out. I'm only asking you to come and pray with me for 29 minutes. That's all, okay? Some, sometimes, you know, you got to pray all night or whatever. For 29 minutes. That's all we're doing, 29 minutes. Do you want to know why? Because Jeremiah 29, verse 7 says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your own. Is that another good promise to stand on? And so we're going we're gonna to meet at Marie Hughes, we're going to walk around for 29 minutes, not 30, not 28, 29 minutes. All right, you can go for as long as you want, I don't care. I'm leaving at 29. And we are going to stand on some promises, we're going to seek the welfare of the city, and we, I just, I can't wait to see what God does. He, he, do you sense that God is up to something? Does anyone else? I, I just, I, it's, it's just, it's happening, I'm just telling you. We recently started a new series called He Gets Us. I told you it's a series about Jesus. Is really it's, when I say He gets us, He is Jesus. Right? Jesus gets us. Jesus understands us. Last week, I I just I mentioned I, I said I, I'm so excited to to just spend a few weeks talking about Jesus. And someone came to me after and they said, Pastor, you you said you're excited to talk about Jesus. Who do we talk about the rest of the weeks? And I'm like, Well, yeah, we kind of always talk about. It. I mean, we we do, but but he, he's our exclusive topic right now. Like, like we're not going off on tangents and talk, we're, we're just talking about Jesus. And my, my prayer for you is, is really what's been happening in my, in my heart is this, is that I just, as I've kind of dug into this, to, to studying again, right, who Jesus is, what did he say, what did he do, and how does he change our lives? I'm just telling you, I have just fallen more in love with Jesus. And, and y'all, I've done this a long time. I mean, I grew up in church. How many of you grew up in church? Anyone grew up in church? I grew up in church. I know the stories. I've read the Bible. I've heard a lot of stories. 
sermons. I mean, a lot, a lot of sermons. I went to Bible school. Like, but I'm just telling you, something's happened. As I've just said, you know what, Jesus? I want to know you just a little bit better than I've ever known you before. I've just I've fallen in love with him. That's been my prayer for you in this series, is that as we talk about Jesus, as we read about, as we dig into his word, that you would either discover or rediscover just the, the beauty of who Jesus is in your life. And as we do that, I'm going to ask you to help me with something. I, I just want to kind of plant this idea in your head. Next week, I'll give you a little more detail. But I was brainstorming with the team this week because I was just like telling them. I'm just like overflowing with, with my love for Jesus again. And I, I said, you know what would be fun is if we had like, like a, 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 a little He Gets Us video booth that, that after church, people could just hop in for like 30 seconds and just tell us your story of who Jesus is to you, what he's done for you, how he's changed your life. I don't need your whole story. I don't need 10. I just, 30 seconds, just pop in. Be like, you know, Jesus has, has transformed my marriage or Jesus has saved me. Whatever your story is. Just So we're, we're working on that. We're going to set that up. Uh, Pastor Tyler is actually going to have it available here in a couple of weeks uh, at, at several of our life groups. We're going to have it available on a Sunday. Uh, I, I think it's going to be the Sunday of our egg stuffing party. Um, but I'd love for you, I'd love to hear your story of, of who Jesus is to you so you can help me out with that. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. He gets us, okay? Here's the question. Maybe you've played this game before. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? Have you ever played this game? If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be? And think about it for just a second. I'll throw out a few ideas. I, I did a little Google search this week for top answers to this question. Here's a few that came up was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. Would anyone want to eat with Albert Einstein? I would not eat with Albert Einstein because he's too smart for me, all right? We, I, I don't know what we'd talk about. He'd just he'd be you know, theorizing and I'd have no idea. I'd be talking about fishing. He wants to talk about whatever else. How about William Shakespeare? Anyone? Would that be interesting? I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to him because I, we, we want to understand each other. I, his language, is too, I don't want to know. Uh, so, all right. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Amelia Earhart, that'd be an interesting one to me. Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, and Frank, Rosa Parks. These are just top answers. Now this, I don't know if this counts because he's still alive, but this is my answer. Michael Jordan. I would want to have dinner with Mike. Come on now. I, I got a few people with me on that. I would, uh, did y'all see the last dance? That, that was like the best thing to come out of COVID, right? Right there was the last dance. If you don't know what that is, uh, go look it up. All right, I'd, I'd have dinner with Michael Jordan. I think that would be fun. Or how about this, King Solomon, wisest man on the ever. Right, that'd be a, that'd be a fun one. You could like write all your questions down so you could get good advice. Right from the wisest man or, or Apostle Paul. That'd be kind of a fun one. You'd probably be convicted. Or Peter. I would probably pick Peter because Peter was crazy, y'all. Have you noticed? I mean, he was nuts. And I would I'd, that'd be fun. So. If you grew up in church, I asked you earlier, some of you said you did. If you grew up in church, you know the right answer to that question is actually Jesus, right? Because that's, if you grew up in church, that's always, like, whatever the question, it was always Jesus, right? Jesus, right? The basis of this question is who, what, what historical figure would you want to sit down with? Which, that, what that means is, what that implies is that you believe that that person was real. <laughs> and that the history about that person is 
true, right? That, that they actually did the things that the history books say that they did. And so I posed it that way this morning because what, what I want you to think about just, just for a moment is I want you to think about Jesus first as a historical figure. Now the interesting thing is that historians and scholars almost all agree that Jesus actually existed. Very rarely is it debated that Jesus was not a historical figure. I mean, there's actually um, an amazing amount of data, of history on Jesus purely. I'm not yet talking about Jesus as a Savior, Jesus as Lord, Jesus as the Messiah. I'm just for a moment thinking about him as a historical figure. And there's a ton of data that would support the idea that Jesus was a man that lived when he said he lived and did the things that he said he did. And, and, and right there's, there's some history on that. There's, there's actually a philosopher by the name of Jurgen Habermas. He wrote in a book called The Historical Jesus. He wrote this. He said, when the combined evidence from ancient stories is summarized, quite an impressive amount of information is gathered concerning Jesus and ancient Christianity. And then he said this, few ancient historical figures can boast the same amount of material. So Jesus as a historical figure is, is rarely debated. But, but let me just help you, okay? Is that my hope and prayer is that you will not just know Jesus as a historical figure, but you will know him in a much more intimate personal way. That's really my prayer. And so I want to ask you, and, and if you're new here today, just this is part of what we do every Sunday, because we believe that God's word is powerful, and that it's living, and that it's active, which means this. When we open God's word and we start reading about it, it's not just a history book. It's something that the Holy Spirit works through to help you and me right now, today, with the things that we are currently facing. So what we do when we get to this part of the message is we just pause. I call it our 30-second prayer, and, we, and my ask of you is this. Will you just open your heart and say, God, whatever you're wanting to do to, in my heart today, I'm listening. That, it's, it's, about, it's really about a posture. It's saying, all right, Lord, I'm here, you know, and let me just say this. you got up, you got dressed, you probably took a shower, you, you put some effort into getting here today. Don't stop there, all right? There's a, there's a purpose for you being here, and I would say it this way. There's a reason that you are here today, that the message that God has prepared is for you and for your family today, so, so don't, don't, don't leave short, okay? So the, the prayer is this, God, I'm opening my heart, and I'm listening. How many of you pray that prayer with me today? All right, let's do it right now. Lord, we thank you for your word and every promise that it contains for our lives. Lord, we believe that today you want to talk to each and every one of us in this room, and so we just, we, we just pause and we say, Lord, we're listening today, and we just invite you into this room. We ask that you would speak to every single one of us. Lord, speak to me today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. I want to start with a name of Jesus that we, started, that we talked about last week. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. This is a new verse for us, but you're going to see this title right away. Matthew eleven nineteen starts with this title, the Son of of man. Now, if you were here last week, this is a title that we discussed. Um, this was a name that Jesus actually used for himself quite often throughout the Gospels. He, was, he would refer to himself as the Son of Man. And it's, it's a name that traces all the way 
back to an Old Testament book, the book of Daniel, and a prophecy that was in Daniel chapter 7. And honestly, it's an exciting name, the Son of Man, because it speaks to the humanity of Jesus, which really gives us the basis for this series he gets us, is that, that the humanity of Jesus is what we relate to first, right? We watch as he is, is going through life and navigating relationships and having conversations, and we relate to the humanity. And, and I'll just say this, you, you first often relate to the humanity before you believe in the divinity. Most often that's how it happens. And that's what this series is about, is that Jesus' ability to get us, to understand us, and, and, and it really comes from this title, the Son of Man. The Son of Man, it's his, it's his humanity. Now, I want to teach you another um, theological word today, and, and, and it's this word. You, you might have heard it. It's this word, incarnation, all right? How many of you have heard that word, incarnation? Um, just so we're clear, that is not the flower that we give away on Mother's Day, all right? That's a carnation. Incarnation is a theological word, and I just want to, I want to help you with it today because it helps us to better understand Jesus. Incarnation means the act of being made flesh, okay? The act of being made flesh. And it's this idea, and it's a wild idea, it's, a, it's an amazing idea, that God took on human flesh. This is crazy, y'all. God took on human flesh. By the way, this is what separates our beliefs in the Christian faith from all other religious beliefs, is that God did not just stay far off, right? We often think because we think of heaven as up, right? So we think of, of God being up in heaven, sitting on his throne, ruling in power, right? But God didn't just sit up on his throne, ruling in power. God became flesh and came into our world. How crazy is that? We see this in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning uh, was the word, which it's a bit of a throwback because in Genesis, you start with those same words, in the beginning, God created. And then John plays on that and he says, in the beginning was the word, which by the way, he's talking about Jesus. I'll show it to you in a second. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then I don't have time to read all of it, but get, go down to verse 14 and it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That phrase, dwelt among us, is uh, the Greek word skinu, and, and it, it literally means to pitch a tent, okay, to pitch a tent. It's a, it's a reference back to something called the tabernacle. If you remember this in the Old Testament, the, the children of Israel were, were stranded in the desert for 40 years. They were running around looking for the promised land, and part of what they carried with them was this portable temple that was, that was a tent. They, they, when, they, when they would camp, when they would stop, they would pitch this tent. And they had a tent inside of the tent that was the tent of meeting. And, and in there, that's where the, the Ark of the Covenant would reside. That's where the presence of God would reside. And that's how they would connect with God. And so John is now referencing back to that with this very specific Greek word, skinu, that means to pitch a tent, which, which literally means that God decided to pitch his tent here on earth. That's what John's saying. Do I have any campers that are here with me today? Any campers? Okay. 
now, just to be clear, because you might have been confused, I, I actually, in this moment, am not talking about glamping, okay? Glamping is what Mitch and Ashley do, okay? That is, okay? Glam, all right. I'm talking camping, all right? Camping involves a tent, all right? So let me ask again, do I have any campers that are here today? I got, okay, there was a few last that, okay. But if you ever camped in a tent, okay, you, you, you hike in somewhere, you got a backpack on, you got all your stuff in there, you got a tent, sleeping bag, food, all, all your supplies, and you go in and you set up camp, right? And when you get there, you find a really good place to pitch your tent, right? You want to make sure that it's level. Have, anyone, have, you ever, have you ever pitched a tent somewhere that wasn't level and you woke up in a pile in one corner of the tent, right? You want to make sure that it's somewhere that's dry, right? You want to make sure it's somewhere where a tree won't fall on you in the middle of the night. Like all, you have all these parameters to pitch your tent, right? And what happens is where you pitch your tent, that becomes your home base right? Like that's where, now, like no matter where you go, that day, you go and you hike off and, and see a waterfall, you come back to home base. You hike off to catch a fish, you come back to home base. You hike off to see the butterflies, you come back. Every time, every single day, you come back to home base. And home base is wherever you pitched your tent. That's what John is talking about. Like how amazing is it that God up in heaven decided to make his home base earth. He said, here is where I am going to reside. And so he pitches his tent by sending his son, Jesus. He comes in to this world. And guys, this is a foundational belief in our, in our Christianity that Jesus came to the earth, fully God, fully human. Let me go back to Matthew 11, chapter 19. The son of man came eating and drinking, which, by the way, is something that humans do, right? Angels don't eat and drink. God doesn't eat and drink. Humans eat and drink. So it says the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, this is the, the religious crowd, they say, here he is, a glutton and a drunkard, because he ate and he drank. Hey, now, here's, here's the part I want you to pay attention to. You. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. This week, this is what I want to focus on, is what they said of Jesus this time and many other times. I'll show it to you some other places. This phrase, Jesus, friend of sinners. Maybe you know the story of Zacchaeus. Do you know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a short dude, and uh, he was a tax collector, and he heard that Jesus was coming to his town, and he wanted to see Jesus, but the crowd was there, and he's at the back, and he's jumping, and he's trying to see over the crowd, but he's a little short guy, and he can't, so he runs, and he climbs a tree. Do y'all remember this story? And he's up in a tree, and that got Jesus' attention, and Jesus sees him, and so he walks over there, and he points up in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. Let's go to your house and let's have dinner. How cool is that? And so he comes out of the tree and they go. And this is the verse in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 19. I almost said in the book of Zacchaeus. In the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 7, all the people see this and they begin to mutter. He, talking about Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So again, it's this idea that Jesus over, I'm just telling you, over and over in the gospel, this, this was the accusation that the religious crowd had against Jesus. He was a friend of sinners. 
Now, this was, this was two times that I've showed you that this has happened, that he's been called a friend of sinner, but it happened over and over. And I just want to tell you today that if we can fully understand this phrase, that Jesus is a friend of sinners, it can set us free today. Let's talk about this phrase, Jesus, friend of sinners. It, it really means at least four things. The first one is this. It means that Jesus understands temptation. He understands temptation. This was a huge part of Jesus coming to the earth as a man was that Jesus needed to understand us, okay? He needed to understand us. It's, it's the difference between reading about something and experiencing it for yourself, okay? Uh, I, remember, um, I remember growing up seeing pictures of the Grand Canyon, all right? I remember seeing pictures, and I remember learning about the Grand Canyon, and I, and I remember knowing that the Grand Canyon was one state away from us here in New Mexico. It was just right across the border in hot Arizona. But pictures do not do the Grand Canyon justice because I also remember the first time that I drove to the Grand Canyon and I parked my car and I walked out to the rim of the Grand Canyon and I looked at the Grand Canyon and I thought, the pictures do not do this justice. Does anyone else relate? It's the difference between reading about something and fully experiencing something. It's the difference between, I like to, I like to, smoke, uh, I like to smoke meat. I, I needed to finish that sentence. I paused. That was a bad pause. That was a really bad pause. I do not smoke, just so you know. I do smoke meat, okay? I like smoking meat. <clears throat> During COVID, we weren't having services, and uh, one Sunday, I decided I had a smoker, and I wanted to try to use it, so I got up early, and I, and I Googled a rib recipe, and I, and I smoked my very first rack of ribs, and we were living with my parents at the time, and, and so after our online service, we all sat down at the kitchen table, and we ate my very first rack of ribs, and my dad loves barbecue, and my dad thought he would be sneaky, and he said, Jay, these are pretty good. But I think if you keep practicing, you could figure this thing out. Now was a challenge. So for six or seven weeks in a row, every Sunday, I worked on my rib recipe. I kept tweaking it, right? I kept making a little modification. And every week, we would do a little at our table, like, Lisa, what do you think? Mercy, what do you think? Hey, Dad, what do you think? And every week, okay, so, so if you came to my house during that time, right? Or if you came to my house, let's say next week I say, hey, I'm doing ribs. Y'all should come to my house, all right? Which that's not an invitation, but let's just pretend. And we went out on the back patio and I got the smoker going, right? And that smoke is billowing out, right? And you're sitting there and you can smell the smoke, right? Can I just tell you there is a difference in smelling the smoke of the ribs and sitting down at my kitchen table and taking one of those ribs, oh, I'm getting hungry right now, and putting it into your mouth and experiencing the Jason Dickinson ribs. I'm just telling you, there's, there's a difference. Anyone else hungry? All right, just hang with me. We'll get there, I promise. There's a difference. There is a difference in just reading about something and fully experiencing it. And this is what I want you to know. That Jesus, because he came to the earth and he pitched his tent here, he now understands temptation. How many of you have ever been tempted in your life ever before? Everyone better raise your hands because you're in church. It's Sunday. Okay, God's watching. We've all been tempted. Okay, 
And Jesus understands, this is what I want you to know, he understands your temptation. He understands. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus shared in our humanity so that by his death, don't get too excited yet, okay, because I'm not to this part yet, but so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. In other words, the humans, right? For this reason, watch this, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Think, think about that phrase for just a second. Fully human in every way. Think about what it means to be a human, okay? It means that, for example, we get tired, right? We get tired. We work hard. We stay up late. Things happen, and we get tired. Isn't it weird to think that God came to earth? He pitched his tent in, the, in human flesh. He was incarnated, right? And because of that, Jesus understands what you feel like at the end of a long work week when you come home and you're like, finally, it's, it's end of the day Friday, and you plop yourself in your, in your chair at home that's comfortable to you, and you just kind of let out a sigh of relief, like, oh. I am glad that week is over. Have you felt that way? Some of you are like, this week I felt that way. Jesus understands what that feels like because he was made fully human in every way so that he can understand you. But the part I'm really focusing on today is this, is that he understands our temptations. He understands but I'm really happy because it didn't stop there. Hebrews continues and it says, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of people because he himself suffered when he is tempted. Watch this. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So that brings me to this idea. He doesn't just understand our temptations. Number two, Jesus overcame temptation. Jesus in his own life, overcame temptation. I don't know how you feel, but it's a little weird for me to think about Jesus being tempted. It's just, it's a little bit weird. I don't, I don't know why it's hard for me because it's, he's fully God, but he's fully human. It's just weird to think about him being tempted. I remember uh, as a young man, I, I remember um, I, I would go on the summers to visit my grandparents in Oklahoma, and uh, about two blocks from their house was this little, um, <laughs> this is Oklahoma, so this will make sense. It was a gas station slash um, bait shop, okay, for fishermen. Weird, right? So in the back, they had these tanks, they had live bait. You could go and you get live bait, so you could go catfishing. And so because of that, they had a whole section of just fishing gear, all right? And so I remember as a teenager, not, not a teenager, uh, um, like mid Mid-schooler, that's a teenager, I'm a mid-schooler, I'm visiting my grandparents, and I said, can I walk to the store, Papa? And he said yes, and I walked to the store, and I'm going around, I think he gave me like $2 or something, I got, you know, like a, a, a snack, you know, at the grocery store, and I'm, and I'm browsing the aisles of the fishing stuff, 
okay? And as I was, I remember, it's so weird, but I remember looking at some of the fishing things and thinking, I would like to own that fishing thing, whatever the thing was. I remember thinking that. That's not a bad thought, but I didn't have money to buy that thing. And I remember thinking I should take it and put it in my pocket. That's what I thought. And y'all are judging me right now, okay? But some of y'all have had similar thoughts or worse. Some of you thought of way worse things than that. And I remember thinking, why did I just think that? Why would I take that thing that's not mine and put it in my pocket? You'll be happy to know I resisted that particular temptation. There are others that I didn't, but that particular one. I, and I remember, I remember thinking, like, why, why all of a sudden am I being tempted, right? And I overcame that one, but there's been plenty of temptations in my life that I did not overcome. Jesus, every single time, overcame temptation, There's this passage in Matthew chapter 4 that we know for sure, because it's written about in Matthew's gospel, that Jesus was tempted three times. Matthew chapter 4 tells us, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, By the way, when when you're, this is metaphor for just a second, when you are in a wilderness season of your life, you you probably, you probably, you understand that. In a wilderness time, okay, you are, you are way more susceptible to temptation in that time. So you, just, you need to go into that season with your guard up. You need to be aware. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by, by, by the devil. Okay? You also need to know that the devil is the author of every temptation that will come into your life. Okay? That's his scheme. And it says, after fasting 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. That makes sense. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, by the way, this is also a great way to answer. He answered every temptation with the word of God. All right, so just tuck that away. That's not what we're teaching today, but I'm helping you. Jesus answered, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift up their hands, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered, it is also written, he quotes God's word, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And this one is funny to me, because he's he says, to son of man, who's also son of God, he says to him, he says, all of this I will give to you. But by, by the way, you just need to know, you need to know, know this, the devil will always promise you things that he doesn't actually have the ability to give to you. Isn't that crazy? He's offering to God, I will give it, he already owned it all, right? But he says, he says, I'll give all of this if you'll just bow and worship me. Which, by the way, that's always what the, what the enemy wants. Worship means giving your heart to something. He's saying, if you just give your heart over to me, I'll, I'm going to give you all this. But he can't deliver that promise. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. What we see here is that Jesus was tempted, but Jesus overcame temptation In other words, he didn't give in, and he never gave in. He is the first and only human to completely overcome temptation. 
Most of us in this room have overcome temptation a few times in our lives, <laughs> a few times this week. But also, we've also given in to temptation. I'm just telling you, Jesus never gave in to temptation, but he didn't just, he didn't just overcome it personally. Here's the third thing, is that Jesus defeated temptation. Lisa mentioned this earlier, but this week was uh, the state basketball tournament here in Albuquerque, and uh, we were really excited because uh, our girls played for hope, and they got to play at the pit, and that was, it was so exciting, you know, and it's funny because I didn't know Lisa had told her, uh, uh, Ava and, and, and her friend to walk out and say, I own this court. I didn't know that. Here's what I told her, is that that morning on the way, uh, I was taking her, and I said, Ava, when you step onto the court, just take a moment and just look around, take it all in, and just smile. Now, the reason I told her that is because she gets really stressed out, and I wanted her to calm down, all right? But I wanted her to look around and to understand what a moment this was, okay? And so they're playing in the state tournament, and just spoiler alert, they did not win the championship, all right? Spoiler alert, they didn't win. But here's the deal. It's one thing to win a game, it's another thing to make it to the finals. It's one thing to make it to the finals, and it's another thing to win the championship and put a ladder up under the goal and get up there and cut the net down. That's what champions do, right? It's, it's one thing to win a game. It's another to win the championship. And, and I'm trying to help you to understand that Jesus didn't just overcome the personal temptations that the enemy brought to him. That would be like winning a game. But, but when he went to the cross as the spotless lamb of God, he defeated temptation once and for all. He said... I'm going to show you a path so that you can overcome temptation in your own life. Hebrews, again, Hebrews chapter 4 says this in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Here's the key words. Yet without sin. He overcame it. He defeated it himself. He defeated Satan and all of his plans. And here's the good news for you and I today is that because of all of that, Jesus helps us overcome our temptation. See, Jesus had a very specific purpose for coming to the earth. Luke chapter 5, verse 29 Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to the disciples, Why, here it is again, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Over and over. This is what's said about Jesus. He is a friend of sinners. And watch this. Jesus understood his very specific purpose for coming to the earth. He answered, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, just hang on to that word repentance because I'm going to come back to it in just a moment. It's a really important word, especially when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. But I love how Jesus, how clear he is about his mission. He came to understand our temptations. He came to prove that they can be overcome. He came to defeat temptation. And finally, he came to help us in our temptations. 
Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians chapter 10 gives a warning. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I've, I've always liked this verse, but I've also kind of wondered, you know, what does it mean that there is a way out? <laughs> that when temptation comes, that there is a way out. And so that's kind of where I want to close today, is I want to help you to understand this way out. But, but first, let me, let me make a couple, a couple more comments on temptation. Temptation is real, okay? Temptation is real. We're not going to try to sugarcoat it this morning and just say, when you give your life to Jesus, temptation just melts away. I mean, you just never want to sin again. It's just beautiful. It just never happens. That is just not the way it works, y'all. Just not, gosh, I wish that were true. Temptation is real. Temptation is powerful. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's got a pull it's got a pull on your, on your heart, on your desires. Can, can, I, can I help you with something? Satan will handcraft a temptation just for you. He knows what gets you excited. He knows what gets your blood pumping. He know, like some of you, I'm telling this story about stealing fishing stuff, and you're judging me, and you're like, I would never do that. I would never steal fishing stuff. Of course you wouldn't, but you would do something else. You would steal something else, or you would lie about something else, or you would go. I'm just telling you, he, he handcrafts a temptation just for you. Some of you, you've heard me say this, but I don't know a better way to say it. I love steak, okay? I thought that'd get an amen. I really did. I, maybe, I know. I, I love a medium ribeye with a loaded baked potato and a sweet tea. A little, little honey butter and a biscuit on the side, okay? Come on. Now, you felt the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit just came. Just I felt it right then. I, I love it. I love it. And if the enemy wanted to tempt me, that's what my temptation would look like. He would come by with a medium ribeye and a load of baked potato and a sweet tea and a honey butter biscuit on the side. That's what he would come. You know what he would not come to me with? A salad. Lisa and I went to dinner on Friday night with some friends. Oh, man. It was so good, y'all. Went to Indigo Crow. I'll just tell you where we went. Went to Indigo Crow. I had lobster ravioli. Oh, come on. My buddy had a steak. My other buddy had, a, had some salmon. We all, everyone had meat. Everyone. Everyone had meat except Lisa. She ordered a salad. And we left there, and she goes, Jason, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but that salad was so good. And I just, I just put my hand across the car and I, in Jesus name, I just pray for my wife right now. I said, Lisa, there's nothing that you could say. There's nothing. There's no amount of words that would convince me that that salad was good. There's just nothing. There's nothing you could say. It is not tempting to me. Like I asked my buddy if I could try his steak. I asked if I could try all, I tried all my friend's food. Not once, not one time did I think, man, if I could have a bite of my wife's salad, okay? Just never happened. It never happened. And I'm trying to help you understand. 
that the enemy will handcraft a temptation. I mean, it, it's personalized. It has your name on it. It is designed for you. Every detail about it is to lure you in. It's just to, it's to lure you in. I'll use one more illustration. I've, I've talked about fishing, so I can do it as much as I want today, all right? I, I love to fly fish. Y'all, I have, it's, it's embarrassing how many flies I have. It's embarrassing. But it's because I have this belief that when I go fly fishing, I have to find the fly that the fish wants. Because if you don't want this one, then maybe he'll want this one. If you don't want that one, maybe he wants this one. So I got all the sizes and all the colors and all the variations and all. And my whole job when I get to the river is to open up my fly boxes and to look at my flies and to say, which fly will that giant trout find appealing, right? And this is what the enemy does. He, he, he looks at you. He comes to your home. He comes to your life. And he opens his fly box, his temptation box. And he says, oh, which one of these temptations will they find appealing? And he'll throw one at you. And if you don't give in, listen, 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 listen. He doesn't just give up. Oh, well, he didn't take that bait. He goes back to his, his box of tricks. And he says, I'm going to try this one now. And if that one doesn't work, he's going to try. Listen, he is relentless. Not only does he personalize the temptation, he is relentless. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so I'm just, I'm trying to help you today. Temptation is real. Temptation is powerful. But Jesus proved that it could be beaten. Could be beaten. Now listen to me. You can't defeat temptation in your own strength. And you can't defeat temptation by sheer willpower. This is how, this is how, I remember growing up as a, as a young man, and young men understand the temptation um, in the area of sexual purity. And I remember youth pastors that, it was like the way they taught it was like, you just gotta like hold strong. You know what I just Felt like if I could just clench my fist and pull my butt cheeks tight enough together and just kind of, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna give in. And then, well, I, of course I would give in, right? I'm just telling you, can't do it through sheer willpower. You can't, oh, just, I'm just gonna, oh, I'm not gonna sin. I'm gonna, temptation is powerful. You like that image, didn't you? You, you liked it. Yeah, no, we ain't pegging eggs today. You can't overcome through sheer willpower. How do you overcome, Pastor? Like, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're asking me today. You need the power that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. He's always come to be a friend of sinners. He's still a friend of sinners. And he'd love to come into your life to say, hey, I understand your temptation. I get it. And I showed you that it could be overcome. I, Jesus said, I proved it. I, I overcame temptation. And he wants to remind you today, when I went to the cross, I defeated the power that the enemy has over your life. So you now can also overcome temptation. And I'm reminded of the verse that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because he that's in the world is powerful. We've already talked about that. But greater is he that is in you. This is talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. I told you we'd come back to this word repentance and that, that word, that, actually why don't you stand with me, why don't you stand with me. That word, that helps me land the plane, all right. That word repentance, it's a, it's a church word 
right? It's a, it's a word that depending on how you've heard it, it, it carries some baggage, right? I grew up, I grew up in church and, and sometimes um, certain, certain flavors of, of, of speakers, certain, certain types of speakers, they would use this word. And I'll be honest with you, most of my upbringing, this word was it just, it felt like it had a, like a bad connotation, right? Because the pastor would get you to this moment. Like you're, he'd say, stand with me this morning. You know, and you'd stand and he's tugging on your heart springs and heart springs, strings. And then he would say, he would say, and some of you this morning, you need to repent. It's just the way he said it. I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I ever do, you make it sound awful. Like, oh my goodness, why would I, why would I do that? By the way, you may not even know what the word means. Repent means to turn in the opposite direction. It means I'm going, and all of a sudden I stop and I go, why is my life going this way? I don't want, I won't go this way. I don't want to do this. this is, I'm not happy. I'm not content. This is not what I want. And so we turn, and we go in a new direction. But it's not just because we turn. It's because it's because we ask the Lord to help us to change the course of our lives. But I'm here to tell you today that repent is such a fantastic word. Let me show you this scripture. Romans chapter two, verse four says, God's kindness, his kindness, right? Not, not his anger, right? Not, not his judgment, not, not the fist pounding. You know, it's, he said God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's a beautiful thing. Is that, that God looked in the earth and he said, they're going to need some help. I'm going to send my son. He'll pitch a tent. He's going to incarnate. He's going to become flesh so he can understand the temptations. And through the love of God, through the kindness of God, through the grace of God, I'm going to lead people. Right? I'm not going to force. Lead, leading means he's out front. Right? Like, come on, I'm going to show you the way. Right? It's not a cattle prod. That's what you do from behind. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's in the front. He's saying, come, follow me. My kind, I'm showing you, I'm, I'm bringing you to a place where you'll realize that I've been here the whole time and I'm here to help you. And the way you're going is gonna lead you to death. That's what the scripture says. But I have a new, I have a new way. And we repent, we turn, and we go in a completely different direction. So our worship team is gonna help me this morning. We're gonna sing one final song. I'm going to do two things when I come back up. I'll just, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to help you, okay? Number one, I'm going to give you a chance to invite Jesus to come into your life, for you to surrender your life fully to him. And I told you already, my prayer is that you would discover or rediscover Jesus. Some of you today, you, just, you, you, you knew him, but you need to rediscover. You're like, oh, that's a kind of Jesus that I can follow. So we're going we're gonna to give you a chance to do that. And I really want to pray. Secondly, I'm going to pray for those of you that would say, there's a temptation in my life and I've been given into it, but I'm tired of doing that and I need help today. I'm going I'm to ask Jesus to help me because he overcame it and he's here to help me to overcome it. And we're going to pray for you. And I told you at the beginning, when we fully understand Jesus, friend of sinners, it will set us free. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.